Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. This is part two of my beautiful conversation with Stephen James Hart, a man with such a precious soul. I actually loved having this conversation with him about sexual restoration and actually the role of the church as well in all of that and you know God's heart to actually give people an an encounter with his love and really just um, his desire for people to engage with true intimacy ultimately which is the heart of this whole message so yeah I pray that as you listen you will be so 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 blessed um, and that it will minister to you so this is part two I hope you enjoy and I remember coming down off that stage and just they carried on there was other people sharing and whatnot but the staff people around me like i just remember too the first person i get off the side of the stage and jen sweet lovely jen johnson runs over to me huge hug and she just holds on to me and says thank you you opened up this room you gave people permission to be themselves um i honor you uh you're incredible whatever we can do to help we are here for you we love you do you know that we love you we love you and it was so incredible and then other people guys people who I'd felt like I didn't they were kind of again some of those epitome of like cool people or whatever you know within the worship community who just came up and gave me big hugs and were like unashamed like everyone else was sitting down still just hugging me being like we love you you're the best like it just there was no shame there was no condemnation there was no like oh God, we can't have him like on the same buses as if we're getting changed anymore. It was just like, I've never actually been probably more deeply accepted or entered into by almost the opposite of what you would think would be the entry point to that by actually revealing the the, the darkest thing actually meant people were like, oh my gosh, you're real. I love it. Let's be friends, you know? And I think that's that's what I mean. I was sort of saying earlier, the world is yearning for that. In every sense of the thing, they're like, give me a reason to believe that I'm okay and that I'm all right in my mess and that I can be imperfect. I don't have to have the Instagram highlight that is so cliche, but is so real. You know what I mean? And so I just think, um, yeah, that was them accepting me was so incredibly, that was what opened the door. And then the other really important thing um, that I can't not mention um, is my best friend, um, Tommy, he was the marketing director and I was the art director. And so we just naturally were together. We were put together. I was, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I was really intimidated by him. He was a peak physical athlete. He'd been a pro soccer player, um, really good looking, great, fun person. Everyone loved him. He just was the life of the room. And I just felt so intimidated and like, great. Here's like, here's the typical person from high school. Can't wait to be not friends with them. You know what I mean? It was what was going on in my heart. And again, how good and how kind of God that actually, as we worked together, all to his credit, he just welcomed me in. He was like, he was like, oh, let's be friends. And we did it over the last three, four years. I mean, we've literally become brothers, deeper than best friends, just absolute brothers. And he, and he, he always saw me for the man that I, that I was, that I am, and that I am becoming. Yeah. Um, he never saw me for the struggle. I remember like, you know, being nervous to tell him about that stuff because he wasn't there when I actually first shared that time at the church and um, talking about that kind of thing. But what was really funny was I remember telling him about this stuff and he was like, oh, yeah, no, I knew that because my wife was actually at the school when you had shared and she told me about that. She was like, I think you're with this guy. It was really incredible. To all this kind of thing. So it was this amazing just relief of like actually finding friendship, finding all the things that were stolen from me in high school, brotherhood, yeah. Yeah. best friendship, um, spiritual mentoring, all, all those kinds of things by someone who was a peer, not way older, like, and we just have lived life as brothers. And that for me has been one of the most healing things too, where he was like, hey, I don't like, if we skinned it, we skinned it, or we, I get naked because I'm changing. I, I'm You and whatever struggle or whatever thing you perceive you're in, you know, like literally he just has been like, I'm not acting any different around you. You're, you're worthy of me being, of me being completely me. And I'm worthy of you being completely you and us actually getting to both. Like we've both become better people and have both sharpened each other. Not just like me being some little needy kid that needed like a big bro to help him out. Like we've actually been able to encourage and sharpen each other so wonderfully, but he was 
full credit to him. He was the Jesus best friend that I needed that brought healing and he made time for me and always, always had time for me, always would listen to me late into the night or whatever. I just, it's, I, I, I mean, it's such a gift of God and I can't thank God enough for him and for people like that mm-hmm. and for how incredible it was that it was actually the exact person that hated and denied me in high school that he brought around to bring the healing and the freedom. Yeah, I love how incredible that. is that, eh? Yeah, I absolutely love that restoration and um, just kind of focusing on that for a minute because, like, you talked about your relationship with your dad mm. um, and obviously the fact that you were bullied and then this jealousy of the cool, stereotypical fit dude. So those, I guess, are some of the factors that might have led to your journey with your sexuality. But just from your experience or people that you've talked to, what do you think? And we don't know all the answers and it's not for us to judge or measure anyone's journey, but are there any other factors along with nurture against nature that you think can contribute to someone's decision to be homosexual or someone wrestling with same-sex attraction? Like what are some of the factors that you think contribute towards that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've gone through lists of things that are like, you know, here's usually like the top 10 things that would be the things that I've seen in pretty much textbook in every, you know, circumstance. Um, it's so much the role of, of, of a father and a mother um, and gender confusion when if like, let's say it's a solo parent, whether it's like dad having to play both roles of mum and dad or mum having to play both roles and confusion or an overbearing mum that makes a guy actually not want a woman that actually wants a guy or for a girl, if there's you know, the, the same thing, actually, the, the, um, the not feeling safe or secure with dad, like actually the opposite of needing that security and, and somewhat that like feeling like she can't give her heart to because all you've ever known is distance or men that can't be trusted or whatever, you know, would then switch the attraction around. And then I think what we'd also don't talk about enough is, um, is bullying is actually word curses, which now if we're going to get into a little spiritual warfare side of things, a massive part of it is the enemy. Um, so again, preaching to the choir here of like, there is a, a roaring lion we're told in scripture that's out to um, devour us. That's out to end us. That is actually now, as I really do believe in these, you know, final days, whatever final and kind of, you know, however long that actually may be, um, as we can see, he's upping the ante, he's going hard out and he really is coming after. What is the ultimate expression of, um, of creativity, of life is procreating. It really is. Like when I look at like the essence of why you see so many worshippers, creatives, artists struggling either with just sexuality in general or homosexuality, um, the enemy's going after, I, I feel like on two fronts, he's actually going after identity because if because it's that final thing of like you know he's gone after drinking he's gone after all these different things throughout throughout the ages but like nothing is has ever been so core as identity this is the this is the struggle that says you are not you do yeah and i think that's one of the things that he's gone after of like if you can get someone to believe that they are you know when it comes to sexuality and faith there's an ultimatum and if one thing you can choose, which is faith, which, you know, if, if people are looking at them, I can, if, if, if I'm told that I am this, then I'm going to have to choose. Like it's, if it's always going to be an ultimatum, faith is usually going to, to lose in the, in the long run. That's why it's so interesting when I look at so many, um, you know, celebrities within the LGBTQ plus um, community um, and you, you hear the stories and I actually love watching these interviews with people and, and hearing like, oh, I grew up in church and I'm always like, yeah. Wow, you know, that's, I don't want to just sound like some, you know, like blaming everything on the devil, but like, because we all have our own personal responsibility. Believe me, I'm not saying that. Mm. But um, there is a massive, he has upped the ante of going after identity within for this culture as well. We need creativity. We need worship. We need that stuff is so paramount to the society that we live in. We want beauty. We, We crave beauty. We crave creativity. We crave authenticity. So if he goes after things, something in you, core in you, that will actually stop you from stepping into something saying, either I'm not authentic because I can't tell you this lie that I've got going on, this deep, dark secret that I can't. He's just keeping people in bondage, the ones who need to be leading the way of creativity and worship and and glory and beauty in the earth. And he's keeping them bound up in these secret things because it's secret, it's insecure, it's identity. And he's going after the sanctity of, of family. He's literally stopping people from procreating. 
yeah. going against that initial thing of fill the earth and multiply. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that, it's literally that that kingdom principle from from days bygone. That like that's the this ultimate thing is like is is winning people to Christ, developing them, making disciples of all nations. But it's also making nations. Yeah. It's literally man and woman coming together to create, to yeah. to share love, and then to create. Yeah. Create the family of God. And, and he, if, if he can go after, because you get women, women and women, men and men, it only creates death. It stops family lines. It stops lineages. Exactly. It's like, it, it's yeah. actually, again, what I'm saying, it's the most genius plan of the enemy when you think about it. Because yeah. yeah. he gets to knock out worship, creativity. He gets to knock out family. He gets to knock out fathers. He's just, it's like, at its core, its identity, you can't you can't actually reason it away. Do you know what I mean? You actually have to fundamentally understand things that are going to be offensive now to the world. Otherwise, you, you you've got nothing to stand on with this struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, funny enough, um, it was Bill Johnson from Bethel that um, I heard him preach a message maybe about three years ago about sexual sin, and he mm. talked about and I and I speak about this in my book that he spoke about. The thing with sexual sin is that it does fragment you. And so it fragments you. So your disposition and who you are, your personality, all that you were created to be gets fragmented. And so you're not able to be fruitful and you're not able to multiply and you're not able to procreate, but you're not able to, as a result, bless the earth that you were actually created to govern and to flourish in. And so I think that when the enemy is able to fragment you, it's a bullseye because he's managed to kill about 50 different birds with one stone, because if he can fracture your identity, then he's going to fracture your purpose and you're never going to flourish and you're never going to fulfill the mandate that God has for you. And so it does all boil down to identity, really. And like you're saying, parts of, I think, the contributors to someone who might walk in any kind of dysfunction sexually, Mm -hmm. I think it is that fundamental attack on identity when you're you know a young person um but what i would love for you to talk a little bit about now stephen is for someone who is wrestling with same-sex attractions um what would you say to them like someone who maybe has never acted out on them or even someone who's wrestling with homosexuality like take a minute just to speak to them directly and to encourage them and yeah, just to minister to anyone who's wrestling with same-sex attractions. It's funny because I think like the biggest lie and the biggest thing that comes against people who are struggling with this would be that somehow they are subhuman, sub-citizen, mm-hmm. um, less than yeah. in terms of in the eyes of God, not in society. Mm. Um, at all used to be but not um not anymore which actually as as a side thing i actually i think there's a beautiful um beautiful thing that we get to step into as followers of jesus in today's society where actually things aren't just tolerated they're celebrated actually gives us finally (laughs) forcing us to talk about things and actually be able to share our our thoughts and views so just as a side i think it's really really important to to talk um but i i guess i really want um I'd want to say that change is possible. Um, I want to say restoration is possible. Redemption is possible. Reconciliation, those going out on a limb of like maybe the deep yearnings that you might have of like, same thing as me, man, I wish that I had a good relationship with my dad or my mom, or I wish I, you know, wasn't, was actually able to do, do the things that I was never able to do in high school because people hated me for this. or they never gave me the chance to do something or because of, the way that I sound or that I mannerisms or whatever. And um, change is possible, but but greater than greater than change, hope mm. is possible. Hope mm. is alive. Um, I think back to myself like at, at, at 15 and I'm like, what would I have wanted to hear? And it would be that I'm that I wasn't alone, actually, because it's very, especially if we're talking about in the church, it's very isolating. And you think that you're the dirtiest, the worst, the most black sheep of, you know, all that ever lived, which is just completely not the case. As we're seeing more and more of, we realize it's actually not that uncommon at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you're, you know, teenage years or whatever, listening through, um, listening to this, um, it's also just a phase of sexual development too. You, you go through phases and, um, 
I don't know, sexual awakenings like to, that, that I think is why it's so important to realize not every thought is our own. Um, not every um, thing that, that uh, we think or that we feel, uh, you know, all of that has to come into alignment um, with the mind of Christ and um, that, again, it's sort of like, I want to be talking to that outlook of that we're on the page of, um, of Jesus being, being hope and life, because mm-hmm. outside of that, um, I, I actually don't have anything to say, yeah. um, because it's not up to me to try and convince you or, or try to convict you or tell you that what you're doing or the way that you're living is wrong. Because if you're not following Jesus and that's not your standard, then everything does go. That's literally where we're at. You know, it's, I might look at it and say, it's not for your best, but that's just me saying that versus what you are saying or experiencing. And I think as well, maybe some rewiring or um, looking at process around this. Mm. Um, I want to, um, I I guess I would love to sort of say that um, this has been a massive journey for me, as I think I said it before, it's, you know, 15 years of, of growth and transformation that really picked up in the last six years. But it's a journey that is, <laughs> it's very unsexy. It's not cool. It's hard. It is um, not without grace, not without hope, but it is, it's, it's tough. And to think that we could just pray it away or to think that God will just come in and like, you know, bam, it's all done. Hey, God can do anything. And you hear those stories and I think that's incredible and that's beautiful. But the more that I look into it, it's not typical of the character of God, of a God that wants to always find the root issue and go after the identity and that thing. And so knowing that it's not something that is fundamentally you is so important to to realize, but then also understanding that freedom for me, I I like to talk about it in these two kind of distinct um, sections, if you will. I I talk about freedom with an uppercase F. Mm Freedom with an uppercase F is Jesus Christ crucified. It's that final work of Christ. It's finished. It is done. Um, He has paid the price we are, as the song says, no longer slaves to fear, to death, to sin. Um, The power and the the grip of sin and of addiction and of wrong identities and mindsets and thought patterns has been broken once and for all by Jesus Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. And then you have freedom with the lowercase f which is the unsexy version. It's the 15 year, it's the lifetime journey. And again, don't listen to that and be like, oh, well, I can't be bothered because if it's a lifetime, listen, it's, I'm not talking about a lifetime of, of some arduous, deep, gut-wrenching struggle, but I'm talking about actually a lifetime of daily submitting yourself, putting your hand in Jesus' hand. And that's, that's the lowercase f freedom. That's walking it out every day. It's taking up your cross. Some days are easy. Some days are hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Seasons are easy. Seasons can be hard. You can have years of great and a week of absolute hell on earth and what is going on. And I think the most important thing to remember on the journey is that it is just that. It's a journey. We're operating on God's timeline. He's got things he wants to do in your heart and heal things in you that you didn't even know were there. So give him the time. Mm -hmm. Give him your willing heart into that. And know that he's not going to lead you into anything that you, um, that as you said, he hasn't already faced and that you can't handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there is always, always a way through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is, it's, it's about um, applying his grace and favor daily yeah. <laughs> um, into that lowercase f freedom as we walk it out. And that's, that's where it can be unappealing. That's where people will, will say, oh, I prayed and I tried with God for four years. I tried for 10 years and I think, yeah, try 15, but look where I am today. Yeah. And I think that's, um, am I perfect? No, not at all. <laughs> Is it like that I may never struggle with this ever again? Or actually, I, w- I would like to say struggle, um, no, but can old temptations, old doors. It was actually funny. I was talking about this with my with my pastor just before joining the church. He actually was just like, hey, I remember your journey with this. Like, let's talk about this. Um, and I just sort of said to him, I was like, you know, you can be free from something, um, but you can also know what it's like to sort of see the old door or have something in your life trigger you that brings back an old mindset, an old knee-jerk response that you didn't realize maybe hadn't been healed, mm-hmm. hadn't been actually kept up and actually guarded that you hadn't been putting new things, new practices, the word of God in place over that. You sort of let your guard slip a little bit and realize, oh, something got on the side there. 
And here's the thing, again, I want to remind you, temptation is not sin. Temptation doesn't define your freedom Mm -hmm. just because it might be like, oh my gosh, I'm just having this really weird moment where this, this guy, like, like, for example, for me, it's like, say some guy, because for me, as I've said, it's often like that jealousy thing, you know, some guys come in who's, you know, good looking, easy, able to do all this kind of stuff. It just like the world is his oyster and I'm just sitting over here slogging away. I had the hardest day at work today. Oh, this is so frustrating. Find myself weirdly being attracted to him. But then it's also knowing the power to be able to say like, oh, no, no, no. I understand what's going on here. And this is, this is literally a practical thing that I will do. I will take that moment, that thing, and I'll literally just like pause and say, no, mm-hmm. who are you? Yeah. The righteousness of Christ. Mm-hmm. Who are you? You've been made straight, heterosexual. And, and one day married, kids, all this stuff that I can't wait for, that I'm so excited for, um, that I'm believing God for. Um, and, and actually holding your, holding your experiences, your circumstances, your temptations, whatever it is, accountable to the truth that you know, um, that you may not feel in that moment, but that you do know about yourself and what God says about you. Um, does that make sense? You know, yeah, it's like it actually walking out that stuff sometimes daily. Sometimes it might be a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be daily for a month because it's just it's just rough what you're going through and you're and you're triggered everywhere. You're overtired. Like there's going to be different seasons, and I think there's that's the thing is understanding there's grace for the season, but also grace for every temptation yeah. to literally yeah. be able to say to quote the scripture like Jesus did yeah. and to and to stay away from me, Satan. It is it is it is done. It is finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bringing back that yeah. uppercase F freedom of like, hey, when it gets too much. Listen, and I, I get like that. I'll be laying in bed at night and thoughts are running wild or something. And I will literally get up and I'll be like, yeah. and, and go after the enemy, getting loud, speaking out things, getting angry. Are you angry about this? Do you actually have a, a, a righteous anger and a righteous justice in you that says, I will not be messed with? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And I think so often we, we've got a culture that is so passive aggressive and is just yeah. so like, Oh, we just want an easy God and easy fix. And it's, this is war. And it's not like you have to sign up for some hectic, like we're in the military and it's hard slog every day, but there are going to be times where it's hard slog and you have better know how to fight. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's so good because you have to contend for freedom. It's yes, like if you, you if you want to stay free, because some people can get prayer for like yeah. this kind of issue and then they're free for like a week or they're free for a yeah. month, but they don't yeah. stay free. And yeah. staying free involves like you enforcing the victory of the cross, you know, yes. like, and you actually, sometimes you just have to begin to proclaim and decree and take authority and be super, super like militant, which is yes. why you have to guard your heart. So you have to yes. guard who you're talking to. You have to guard what you're watching, like all of that stuff. And when yes. you don't do that, then you're just opening the door to temptation. You're opening the door to compromise. So I yes. love that you've touched on, um, that stuff and in fact Stephen there's loads that you've touched on so I kind of want to like pull certain bits out super quick yeah, yeah, do it, do it. when you were speaking about same-sex attractions and what to say to someone who might be grappling with them in the church um it is hard really because like that everyone's having their own journey um but for me personally what I have found even when I'm ministering to people about this is like I guess, encouraging people towards true intimacy, because ultimately, you know, when we fall into sexual sin or when we choose it, or, you know, when we engage in things, really, they are a pursuit of intimacy and it's counterfeit intimacy yeah, that we've settled for. But actually, I think for anyone grappling, for anyone who's caught up in anything, it's this place that lets fix our eyes on true intimacy. Let's engage with true intimacy. Let's go after it because when we go after true intimacy, over time, counterfeit intimacy actually loses its hold. It loses its appeal. It loses its power. Um, So I, I love that you actually mentioned about prayer, you know, worship, you know, those practical strategies as well, because that is part of navigating towards true intimacy when you are, caught up in counterfeit intimacy. So I love that you have said that. Um, And I also love that you mentioned rewiring our desire, because again, it's about rewiring our desire towards true intimacy, which is found in Jesus. And sometimes that process takes years, 
that takes, you know, so many tears and back and forth. Like that journey is not easy, but like you've said, it's it's a journey. Um, and then you also mentioned about a wife. You picture a family. So talk to me about what that rewiring of your desires has been like for you. How have you or how are you moving away from a picture of what in your mind was what not necessarily love looked like, but what attraction looked like. So how has that now began to move towards the idea of a wife and a family? Like what's the process of that been like for you? Yeah, I, I guess, again, it's, um, I actually was talking with my parents about this last night, sort of, you know, um, having a bit of dialogue and thinking about today. Um, and it's something that I'm still working through. There are, I was having a laugh with them being like, there are times where I am so excited, you know, and I can't wait to be married for all that marriage entails, for the closeness, for the intimacy, for the friendship, for the companionship, for what I am trusting God and, and, and believing him for, of like a ministry partner too, of being able to run and do things together, you know, where one can put a thousand to flight, two can do 10,000. And, and the, the anointing and the, the incredible um, blessing of God that comes from like that you see when when a, when a married couple is doing ministry together, it's it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. Um, and of course, as well, fulfilled sexual desire within that too. And and um, in some ways, the that final um, wholeness, as we've sort of you know talked about or maybe sort of alluded to um, within what does that even mean? Because I feel like it's wrong to have this thing of, of sexual wholeness, quote unquote, as this like unattainable. Mm -hmm sort of goal that becomes how we know that we've done a good job of this journey or when the journey is done, if that makes sense. Because I look at the world around me, I look at people around me, I look at people that I esteem highly. Sexually or not, no one is whole. <laughs> and I think we have to look at sexual and we have to be okay with putting sexual um, wholeness and sexuality in that greater wholeness, this side of eternity basket. Um, I am not in any way um, talking about me lying to myself or, you know, forcing myself to have sex with my wife one day, even though I, all I want to do is be with a guy. You know, it's just like, no, I'm not talking about that. I don't believe that's not God's best for us. That's not when I think when we talk about wholeness, we think about that kind of thing. That's kind of the essence of what we're meaning. But I think it's so important as well to realize what is attainable, what is um, realizing that there's a journey and realizing that, you know, like even talking with my parents um, about what is a sexual journey look like within marriage of what one person thinks is totally okay. And the other person is like, never will I ever. <laughs> and it's like so much of that, I think is like, I mean, we don't even, we just don't talk about that kind of stuff, even within the church. And it's like that there is so much of wholeness and dying to yourself that, that 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 has to happen in so in some ways is it may there be sometimes a death to yourself of what maybe you thought sexuality or sexual fulfillment may look like yes but in the other in the other sense of things am I also anticipating and believing the Lord for ultimate sexual fulfillment and completion within marriage Yes, 100%. And he's going to teach both of us, me and my wife, as we come together, as we journey this stuff out together, what that looks like for both of us, all encompassing, all backgrounds, all different, you know, all sides of that. No one thing being more intense or more scary or more taboo than the other. Yeah. Um, for example, you talk of sexual wholeness, you go, go from, you know, homosexuality to a victim of rape. And not being able to just just completely shut down wants to be able to give themselves in marriage, but is so deeply afraid, having to undo things, rewire the brain. It's like, you know, we, we believe that can happen. Oh yeah, rewiring the brain. But for somehow we won't look at homosexuality in the same light. And it's that's the thing. What you were saying, I love what you're saying. Sexuality in any of its broken facets, in any of its um, dysfunction. Yeah, and any of its dysfunction, you're right, is that's just what it is. It's dysfunction. It needs to be put into, it needs to be aligned. It needs to be righted. And that is the gospel. That is the kingdom. That is the truth. And it's going to take rewiring. It's going to take process. It's going to take, you know, um, grit. And there's going to be times where it's up. There's going to be times where it's down. There's going to be hard conversations. There's going to be times of ease. And I think 
it's it's also like understanding that we're not having some unattainable goal on this high lofty thing of some sexual perfection of I never wrestle with anything sexually again because I look around me and I don't see that with anybody. So I think that's also just an important thing to realize in the process and what you sign up for as well, not to take away any hope, but to also just give a real human um, reality check to what we even expect of ourselves. And then even what we may, for me, put onto a partner or a wife one day of like, that they would somehow, if if they're not looking hot that day and that somehow triggers me into something, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa you can't put that on them. Or like, there's so much that has to be, that I'm sure I won't even have any idea until I even get into marriage on half of this stuff. So when it comes to sexual wholeness, I think part of being whole sexually is like owning and celebrating your gender and you know, mm. being able to actually just enjoy your gender and to enjoy your sexuality Um, And also to be able to celebrate not just your own sexuality, but someone else's as well. Um, So for you, what has your relationship with the opposite sex looked like? And how are you around the opposite sex? And how since, you know, this journey kind of accelerated over the last few years, has the opposite sex had any impact friendship wise, just getting to do community with the opposite sex has it had any real impact on your restoration yes great question <laughs> yeah, sure. um and i love it too because i think it's practical um and it, it's i i have to also be honest and say um that i'm not dating anyone right now and i haven't had much of a um you know colorful dating history where there's been you know whether it's just been lots of different relationships to sort of draw experience from or whatever and i know where the the relationships in the past that i have been in um have have failed and it's been on my part um funnily enough actually not (laughs) not not sexually or from that like lack of attraction side of things but actually from a massive fear of commitment and a fear of choosing the wrong person, which, hey, let's talk about that within the church of how we've done this awful culture of saying that, you know, like there's the one out there for you and, oh my gosh, you could mess it up. And then what if you what if you wake up and you realize you married the wrong one? And it's like, well, when you've married them, they are the one, they've become the one. It's just all this stuff. It's like, there's so much of that kind of, yeah. for want of a better word, the I kiss dating goodbye, sexual purity of the 90s that was so important and well-meaning but I think really handled the wrong way that actually stewarded my generation toward as I'm seeing around me a generation of single Christians into their 30s that are nervous and scared to date I know that's not the same story for everyone but I notice it a lot more that there are people that are just the idea of marriage and the commitment is so hectic like I'd rather like maybe play the field a little bit I'd rather like actually sleep with a few people figure it out and I'm just like this is within the church really being like feeling convicted and feeling okay with this but like I just I man we got to swing away from that that was crazy what was that 90s about and I think I'm with you I get it it doesn't justify you swinging the other way and just being as free as anything yeah. um but I think it, it's been real interesting I have <laughs> I found myself, um, if I'm finding like a, a girl at church attractive or something, I get so nervous and I literally can't talk to them. And it used to be that girls were like, that was my only friends. And I just had no problem saying hey to anyone or I, I had become the, you know, I was the kind of confidant for that. That was sort of how it worked, you know, that kind of quite, I guess, classic, typical kind of story of that journeying and teenage years and whatnot um, with this struggle. Yeah. And also a real like holy, beautiful respect now too for the opposite sex and loving their difference from me um, and loving my difference from them of even just, and this this might sound kind of weird, but one of those things that I loved about journeying with Tommy and just getting to do life with him was there'd be little moments where we'd be doing something. He's like, no, you don't, let let the ladies do that. They can do that. Let the girls do that. Like it not actually being this thing of like some domestic head, like mm. you do the cooking, we don't. It's not, It's I'm not getting at that. But it's like when the girls would be, oh, hey, we're going to go and all do this. Guys, you just want to like stay and like, you guys can like kick a ball around. We'll go like, I don't know, grab the DVD or whatever we're going to do to watch tonight. DVD, how old am I? God. <laughs> You know, but it's like, it's those little things where it's, I'm not talking about, um, <laughs> I am talking about like gender things, but also not not like in some stereotypical gender norms of women must do and men must do, but allowing there to be a 
holy beautiful difference between the genders and me feeling at home and actually like no nah, I don't need to go hang with the girls and discuss everything they can go and hang and do their own thing mm-hmm. I'm gonna hang with the boys and we're good you know what I mean actually having this holy beautiful separation that actually creates and helps to steward attraction desire curiosity more than being all up in their business so you've got nothing to be curious about yeah yeah for me personally I feel that there is sometimes in the church too much separation and so actually there ends up being a mystery that is exotic which then becomes erotic and so because there's so much mystery and there's not enough interaction there's not enough like celebrating and doing life together you end up actually seeing one another as taboo and then there's a lot of like sexual objectification that can come from it so I definitely think there's like a meeting in the middle where you celebrate the separation but you actually still do life together and you actually begin to get to know the opposite gender in a way that draws out treasure from one another you know and so there's still healthy mystery there but by God's grace it begins to remove the taboo and the kind of dysfunction out of relationships in the church between males and females yeah and I think it's really important too which is one of the things that like if I could say anything of paramount importance and anything that anyone would take away from this discussion today is a life led by the spirit is so important Mm. because I think it's like whether we're talking about knowing when you've got to go to war on something and knowing when you just need to eat and go to bed yeah you know the reality of like like uh knowing that it's time to actually call a friend and be like hey I'm kind of drowning with this thing right now Mm -hmm. can you get around me and pray you got you it's like a life with the spirit is the only way forward in today's society where we literally have no moral absolutes and there's no kind of black and white we live in a grayscale world and you need the holy spirit to help navigate even random things of like is masturbation okay there's all the different classic things it's like you've it might be okay for you in a season and not for someone else and that's you've got that's the holy spirit speaking to you and you've got to know his voice and his intimacy to be able to navigate these things and like a same thing of saying you know it might be that one week all the guys and girls are supposed to be together at church the next week hey we're actually going to split you guys up and do something different it can't be rules and formulas and programs and the ways that we've done things because it's not going to work we're in a society now that doing rules and having these programs is way too 90s 80s old century it's done and while we are called to be different to the world we actually are still supposed to be in it and we have to be functioning within the world. We just can't be of it. Of it. Yes, yes. And I think that's so important that we need to learn how to navigate. And and today it's like, today I can watch this TV show. Tomorrow I can't. Yeah. And it's like on paper I can't always reason that away. But that's the Holy Spirit. It's He's great. He's He's in between. It's in the nuance, and that's the importance of being able to go. You know, today no, tomorrow yes, or wow, I really need to prioritize this. And then in the next season, hey, actually, I need to prioritize this. And this is okay to be let down for a little bit. Like it's, yeah. that's the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's uh, it's the only way forward. And it, it has been higher than worship, higher than the word, higher than anything else. That has been what has been my saving grace. And now in the freedom and walking that out into the future is the way forward, is a life that is filled and led by the Holy Spirit every day. Totally, that's good. I mean, just on that even just like being led by the Holy Spirit and just you know what you've said about we're in the world but we're not of the world you know just talking about the role of the church sometimes as Christians we're so far removed from what's happening around us in the world in the culture around us that when someone approaches us who is battling with sexual struggles or is in a homosexual lifestyle or is grappling with gender dysphoria like oftentimes in the church, we're so far removed from what's happening that we don't even know how to relate to that person. We don't know how to minister to them. We don't know how to walk alongside them or console them because sometimes we're intimidated. Sometimes we're fearful. We think we're endorsing that lifestyle or we're endorsing that sin if we come alongside them. And actually... We have them for dinner. It's like, what? Yeah, you exactly. know? Yeah. It's like, that's unheard of. Yeah. Um, but for you, 
what would you say, and you have alluded to it earlier, but what would you say really to the church in this moment in history when there are so many that are lost, so many that are broken, people that are actually looking for adoption in God's family and they need to be embraced by the church? What would you say to the church in supporting and serving and walking alongside those that are in the LGBTQ plus community? Yeah. I love this. Thank you so much because this question is so important and it's something that's so dear to my heart and something that I'm wanting to actually like actively go after stepping into too with this new role at the church here um, in New Zealand. And yeah, it's just so important. Um, and I, I think uh, as, as a quick, easy answer, if you're, um, if you're not struggling with same-sex attraction, let's just put it into like just for my context, mm-hmm. be the Tommy be the Tommy to me. If, if you, you know, you're sort of like, oh, I don't know, like, hey, chill out, take a breath yeah. and befriend people. And again, it's not about finding projects. It's about finding people. And it's about realizing that um, are, we, are we down to live life alongside people? Are we actually prepared to make a table for people to eat at in their dysfunction and their brokenness? knowing that in a different area, you're the same in need of a table, in need of welcome, in need of healing and wholeness. Um, you know, that's that's so important. It's so easy. If you find yourself listening like, oh, well, that's not me. I can kind of check out or whatever. Hey, you have a responsibility, um, I believe, and I would just say you have a responsibility in God's kingdom to be the friend, to be the person that can come alongside and be non-judgmental. And also shock, not have to have the answer for anything. Be a good listening ear. Mm-hmm. Just be listening. Yeah, it's so important. I think um, I have a massive um, heart right now for revival, you know, coming from Bethel, you know, church and that beautiful culture. I love it. But I think we look at future and current revival in the wrong context, I, I feel. Um, not Actually, not talking about Bethel. I'm talking about now just in the world when we talk about, you know, God, send revival, you know, fill the stadiums. And I, I think we're living in the most exciting days. And they're exciting because it's not, again, classic character of God. He's not going to do things the way that it used to be. Yeah. This isn't the 50s. We're not having a Billy Graham crusade in L.A. with 100,000 people in a stadium. Um, Christianity isn't accepted at a fundamental level anymore, but Jesus is still the hope of the world and his church is still the glorious answer to the hurting people around us. Um, And that's why I'm convinced that in this generation, revival is upon us, but it won't look like it has in the past. And this this may be kind of, I don't know, it may trigger some people, but gone are the days of the celebrity churches, the brands, the movements, the cool Christians in their inauthentic, impersonal, utterly directly opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Revival today looks like family. Revival looks like preparing a table. It looks like preparing a place of welcome. It looks like having no agenda, but being willing to listen and being willing to listen twice as long as you are prepared to talk or say anything. And revival looks like being led by the spirit in all of that. Again, like what I was saying before, um, it's messy, everyday revival. Um, It's not flashing lights on a stage, cool brands and logos on our tees and pants, um, video screens, Instagram accounts with thousands of followers. A lot of it will be unseen. And um, I think that's pretty unsexy. Like the 15-year journey of freedom, it's not the cool Christianity that so many of us have unknowingly signed up for and kind of expect of God and want to find our own little brand of influence or whatever. And God's saying like, yeah, cool. I'll actually send revival because like I'm actually seeing this when you're just one-on-one with people and you actually create a dinner table and you welcome people in. Wow. The conversation. Wow. The moments of what God does, the healings that I've seen, literally physical healings that I've seen by just one-on-one conversations with people in New Zealand at the beach. I led someone to the Lord and God healed their arm while I was praying for them. Just, just showing the love of Jesus over a three hour cup of coffee, because I felt the Lord say, Hey, go make time for that woman. She needs, she needs some prayer and love. And it's like, that's revival. That's revival. And it's it's not cool. It's not famous. It's not Instagram worthy. Mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, is it kingdom worthy? Is it heaven worthy? Is it worthy of the King of Kings who gave everything and the world turned their back and didn't want to look? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. So, so, so good. And I think the pandemic has just been such, you know, with all of its pain and all of its grief, in some ways, it's been such a gift to be able what an to opportunity, hey? recalibrate wow. and actually realize because a lot of the stuff that you have 
talked about, you know, that celebrity culture and, you know, it being about the one person on the stage and it being about sex and Christianity, like all of that for a long time is the paradigm that we've known. And now because of the pandemic, everyone knows that there is a new normal and that new normal is community. It is the one-to-one. It is actually getting down and dirty and messy and not being afraid and actually laying down all of like those aspirations that we've had in the kingdom and actually serving and loving well. Yeah. And I think it's so easy, like on that to hear that and be like, yes, you know, you, you, I feel like I see that all the time with so many of these, not naming anything, but like so many of these big brands and names and churches and stuff and celebrity pastors where it's like, yes, community, like meeting in your home churches. And then it's also followed up with like, and we can't wait to gather again together in his presence and seek God and watch him pour out his spirit. And I just keep thinking like, you've missed it. You've literally missed it. Don't, don't run back to the old. And I I think we, we always preach this and this is literally like, if you're, if you're listening right now, we're actually in a, in, in a pivotal time in history where how you respond right now to this pandemic and to the opportunities, the pain, everything that we that the world is going through right now will actually determine what side of history you, you go on. Are you part of what, what my generation, my parents' generation were like, oh, we get to introduce, you know, drums and guitar to church. Like, oh, we're rebels. We're doing things in a different way. We're actually writing our own worship songs that has now become the normal religious thing that we need to be shifted out of. Absolutely. And I'm already looking around seeing all the people in these big machines and these churches and they're like just itching to get back to that. And I'm like, listen, you've, you, you're missing it. You're missing it. God is out there on the streets. And it's, you know, yes, he's, he's, he's where we are, of course, because he's going to be found by his people. But when we look at revival, when we look at these things, he's out on the streets. And I think I wanted to um, just kind of finish with one thing that I, I read this morning that felt like if I could sum it up with one thing. And it's oh, something good. that yeah. really, really well. But um, reading from the Passion and it's 1 Corinthians 13. It's, it's classic, but I love the way that the passion says it. This is what I would say is it's here. It's our mandate as the body of Christ. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous <laughs> when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. And love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. Love never stops loving. And I think we need a revelation of that in the church. We need a revelation of that within our own hearts. And I think a, how easy it is when we say you, you talk about, you know, the prophetic words and the words of encouragement and knowledge. And at the very at the end of the day, they'll know us by our, by the fruit and they'll know us by our love for one another, yeah. not just for one another within the church, although that's very important, but the love we have for those outside the church. And if we can learn how to live, love and prepare a table mm. with the Holy Spirit, you're on track, you're sorted. God will inhabit that praise, that offering of worship. Mm. Um, in a way that we and and some of the most powerful ways we have ever seen yeah God will have his way but are you asking the right questions are you are you signing up for the long haul whatever it looks like yeah so good will you just pray over the listeners for me yes yes thank you thank you jesus god i just thank you so much for um for the opportunity for the honor of getting to share today and i um I ask that right now, whoever is listening, um, you know every single circumstance, you know every situation, nothing takes you by surprise, and there is no condemnation found in you. There is no shadow of turning. So I ask that Holy Spirit, you you would minister and you would release that peace, that freedom, that life, that hope into everyone listening whether they find themselves in, in a time of, of deep turmoil and struggle and pain and addiction and depression or feel like they're just, you know, 
having a listen, have, <laughs> jumping in and sort of seeing what all the all the fuss is about. We're all in need of your grace. We are all in need of your um, of your favor and your your love um, and and ultimately your your approval and your acceptance. And so, um, I thank you that that you accept and you love and you approve um, us all. And thank you, Lord, as well that you that you love us too much to leave us where we are. So I ask that for everyone listening, um, myself included, uh, wherever we are on our journey, that you continue day by day, minute by minute, breath by breath to find us and to lead us, mm -hmm. to convict us, to celebrate us, to rejoice over us um, and to love us into more and more wholeness, being made more and more like you, transformed into your likeness every day. God, it is the cry of our hearts. It's the chief reason um, we, we, we need you to be, to be more and more like you so that we can better shine you and love the world around us. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, Holy Spirit, would you just be downloading as well creative ideas and solutions um, to people who are listening, leaders, pastors, mm -hmm. friends, mothers, fathers, children, grandparents, whatever it is kindness and love and ways of interacting with the people around us, whoever you bring us, um, whoever you bring our way, that we would show your love in a unique, powerful um, and tangible way that people would encounter you. They would see your face through us. And I pray just a ceiling um, over all these words of everything that's been spoken, that it would find rest in people's hearts and it would, it would find root and it would bear fruit and it would grow and we would see transformation, revelation, redemption, reconciliation and hope um, abound, abound in people's lives and in your church because of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So good, Stephen. Um, how can people reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you? Great question. <laughs> I literally haven't thought of that. Um, easy. I have a website. Um, it's just stephenjameshart.com. And on there, there's actually, there's blogs, resources, a um, bunch of different stuff like that. A lot of stuff actually talking about um, some of this stuff and just my journey too with other um, things. So hopefully that's a good resource too. And there's also contact on there and that goes directly to my email so I can be in touch and um, hear more about your stories and where you guys are at. Um, or Instagram, same thing, just at Stephen James Hart. Um, and the same on Facebook too. Would love to hear from you guys. Amazing. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. You have been thank you. phenomenal. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again, and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast.